Hey guys, I appreciate your patience. Sorry that there was no episode on Monday. I have been absolutely overwhelmed at work, plus doing the New Dad City and Empowered Homefront, especially the Empowered Homefront stuff with Eric. We're really getting that project off the ground and a lot of other secret projects that I don't know if Eric wants to talk about, so I won't say them. So my apologies. Tomorrow morning... On Friday the 19th, you'll get part one of what Eric and I recorded previously on Saturday the 13th. It is like a two-hour episode, so I'm splitting it up into like 45-minute chunks to an hour chunks, and just because it's a lot. So stick around for part one, and I thank you again for sticking around and supporting the show. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Saturday episode with Eric on the New Dad City podcast. We are back officially in video. We had some issues <laughs> with Eric being out in the sticks in Tennessee, as you guys know. Um, had to use the phone, and the internet was out for a little bit there, but he's back home safe. And yeah, so Eric, I don't know... If you want to catch people up on and tell them how your holiday was and New Year's and all that stuff. And um, I know you're going to laugh at me when I say this, but do you have any New Year's resolutions? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Always setting goals. Always. You ain't got Always. It. New no. Year. You only set goals once a year? Oh, I my don't. goodness. I used to. I used to be one of them people. No, nah, there ain't nothing wrong with setting goals once a year, man. Yeah. Just whatever you can handle. I just don't let the new year define when I set a goal. Like, oh, it's January 1st, so I have to set a goal, you know? Man, it's consistency, right? You set a goal. Like, when when are you back wishing you would have set a better goal or have to set the same goal again over and over again? Yeah, what I'm getting at is, like, towards the end of the year, you have, like, two weeks left. It's like, yeah, starting January 1st, I'm going to get back in the gym and get in shape. And it's like, just start it now or tomorrow. Yeah, man, tomorrow never comes. It's always today. I mean, if it's, if it's like it's 11 p.m., like, go ahead and get your sleep and wake up and do it. Like, you know, <laughs> if I went downstairs at 11 p.m. and went into the garage and started clanging around weights and blasting Creed or Nickelback or whatever my whatever I decided to put on. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you don't do the headphones. You just blast it out. Dude, I got a Bose speaker in there. Nice. It's a two car garage with like no insulation. It's just either plywood like the frame on one side is just the frame of the house. And then obviously you're siding and then garage door. And then the other side is where it's got the drywall and insulation. So only one wall <laughs> I guess the ceiling, but Axel's room is right above the garage. Now, after we moved, it used to be the office. So you used to get away with it, but not anymore. Nice. So but he's yeah. going to be a headbanger, guaranteed. Well, dude, he already falls asleep to that kind of music. Does he? Yeah. I take him around in the car and I like, this morning, for example, I told Eric, I said, look, I got a bunch of stuff I got to get done with Eric today around four, said four to five. Obviously, I got pushed back because we were doing, you were doing some family stuff. And at the same time, I was still doing eating dinner with the family. But um, I was like, I will do everything. Just please just just watch him. I was like, is that a deal? She's like, yeah, dude, she was like, she kept her word. I kept my word. And dude, I mean. Not saying that I wouldn't have him in here with me, but it just she we held each other's word up, and 
uh, we held our uh, word together. And that's what I want to get into today. It's part of like the communication and everything. Um, and I kind of talked to you about this. So I guess like I haven't really spoke about it on the other episodes, obviously. But was it last week? I think it was last week. Erica and I took a trip out to your place. I came out there twice. It was on a Friday and a Saturday. And we actually got to spend time and did some brain dumping and actual action for <laughs> that um that board game. Yeah. And then playing Cash Flow 101 for the first time, which dude, I, I if that game would have played out, I think Kaylee would have won. She wins like all the time. It's crazy. Yeah, she's like I don't know what she was, but she was drawing the best uh stock investment cards. Like you can buy now for five, and like the next time around, she'd be like, "You can sell now for 30. She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy two hundred of them," and she's like getting like she was making like four hundred percent like ROI on it. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like meanwhile, I'm in the hole, like buying property, yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. loans out the bank. That game was really fun. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I mentioned some of the stuff when I was there that uh, Erica and I have been talking to our marriage counselor about mm-hmm. and i wanted to go over some of that just to see if you can relate and maybe reflect on some of the the stuff that you and Lori go through have gone through and stuff like that because i for me communication is the number one speed bump i guess you could say in erica and our mind's relationship like we have a lot in common listen to the same music i mean Christ, we have covered in both tattoos. Like we have a lot of stuff. We love, both love being parents. Like we love being a mom and dad. And we both love our boy. We love the family, all that stuff. But sometimes it gets lost in the communication because we don't know how to talk to one another. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in the world that's married or in any type of relationship that has had these issues. I'm not special. So, um, I want to, so I have some stuff from my therapist that I want to talk about because it really, really helped Erica and I out. And without, um, oh, let's see, I don't want to word this. I guess without biting his stuff too much, I'll, I'll explain like what he taught us essentially. Um, so he uses a, a compass like it's almost like a um, it's not a moral compass we've all heard that term before moral compass his is called the compass of intention because behind every communication every conversation there's intention mm-hmm. and what he defines as intention he calls it the art of intention and the art of intention he defines as is working from the core and secure center of who we truly are in order to choose loving actions and words that move us forward together in healing, significant, and meaningful lives. So basically what he was getting at is we like to think that everybody means well whenever they explain something. Like most people are not evil. You have your outliers, you know, but most people actually have good intentions from what they're, what they mean. And he went on to discuss this where he said, whenever you get into a situation, whether it's your 
Let me move this. Whenever, whenever it's your uh, spouse or say even you and me got into like, not an argument, but a conversation where it's like one of us takes like offense or something like that. He said, always allow the, the person you're talking to to backtrack. Let them backtrack and go, no, sorry, I didn't mean that. Let me explain myself. Because then you're allowing them that second chance. Oh, my hands in the way. You're allowing them that second chance to actually give the meaning that they want instead of just stopping. Because you could say something and it comes off as rude, like me. With Erica, and I don't know, you tell me if I sound like this sometimes. I can come off as very condescending when I'm explaining something. And Erica says that my voice changes like this, and I'll do my best impersonation of it. So say she has trouble. She she finally learned that she can do stuff while Axel is kind of like sitting in his little bassinet and feeding himself. He's old enough to where she props him up and he, he can hold his bottle now. So now she can cook her breakfast while he's eating right next to her in his little bassinet thing and is up on his pillow. Before, she was like, I can't just do that. Like, I have to always keep my eye on him. And I go, you take him, you set him down, you go to the kitchen, and you cook your breakfast while you can turn around and he's right there. There's nothing wrong with that. And that tone of voice right there apparently is super condescending, and I had no idea that it was. And I was talking to her like that for God knows how long. And she finally had worked up the courage through therapy to like tell me about it. And that was just something that's like, even if you don't like just communication right there, like I didn't know I was saying stuff like that. My intentions were good, and there was no allowance of backtracking and me trying to explain it a different way because of how immediate offense she took to it because of my tone of voice. Now what we're practicing is what our therapist said, like, Hey, if you say something and you find it rude, like you feel attacked, be like, Hey, and this is something that I think that a lot of people practice and I'm starting to go in the direction and believe it's a wrong practice. I feel it was it. I just did it right there. I statements. I, you hear it all the time. I feel like this when you did that. Well, what you do is when you, um, you, you, describe, you describe what you're feeling during uh, the disagreement. You can, you know, you, you, know, you, you keep them, you, you just say, I felt. You never say, like, I felt like you. So you could say, like, I felt defensive. I felt listened to. I, my feelings got hurt. I felt understood. I, you know, I felt angry. But the way that you did it, like if you find yourself going into that statement of, I don't know, I felt like you did this, and that's why I felt like that. You're putting, you're like blaming the person and saying that it was intentional, like they they meant to do that. So how you kind of twist that around is you go, when you said this, I felt defensive. When you said this, you don't say like, I felt offensive when you did this. It's like rearranging it somehow is like some psychological thing where it doesn't, because you're not targeting the other person first. Like, or, hold on, let me see. I'm going to reword that. You're bringing awareness to what the person did first. And it's less blame than saying like, well, I felt this because you're making it about yourself. And when you start making things about yourself, that's when you start blaming people. And when he said that, dude, I'm just sitting there like, 
like I was like a codfish, man. My mouth was wide open. And it was crazy because we all have like these these um subject subjective realities. And and what he uses with that compass of intention that I was talking about is we all have our maps of life, like how we navigate life. And Erica and I have the same outline of where we want to go. We've discussed our goals. We've, act, we've sat down and discussed our goals in life, where we want to be. And we both have the same end goal. But how we get there might be a little bit different. Like if we take like the map of the United States, like the outline of it, you and me are going to color it completely differently. But the thing is, we still have the end goal of creating the United States. It's the same thing with relationships. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You got any feedback on that? Like stuff that you've experienced with thing? I know I talked a lot about right there and I've got plenty more to share, but I figured I'd kind of stop right there and, you know, kind of let you process that and share any. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like that's bringing a lot of awareness from you guys, right? I mean, yeah, kind of reflecting on it a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, how's that helping? But you just uh, acknowledging that it's a real thing. Um, we always knew it was. We just didn't know how to go about it because we would immediately get defensive. And we would say, I felt upset when you did this. And that immediately turned into a blame game because then you start, it's all about you, 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 me, 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 me. And that's selfish, you know? Um, and the, the one thing that he did, so, so reflecting on it, like you, you brought up, like reflecting on it and stuff like that. And I talked to you about this, the technique he taught us. It's the timeout. You know, you've heard of people taking it before, like, hey, 45s, a five-minute break, whatever. And um, what he... What you have to do is you don't do this. There's a camera. You don't say this timeout. Like, because this is like aggressive. Like, you lean in, you're like, timeout, you know? What you do is uh, let me sit up and I'll demonstrate if my chair wants to cooperate. So, what you do is you don't do timeout like this. You, because your shoulders are out and you look like you're in attack position. Like, you look like you're on the offense. So what you do is you go like this and put your hands over your, over your heart, chest, whatever you want to call it right now. And your shoulders naturally cave in. And when you do this, this looks submissive. This looks, you know, non-threatening and you go, Hey, I need a timeout. And you get away from the situation. So do that again though. What was the difference? So timeout. Like time out, like I'm aggressive, like I'm leaning in, like I look big bodied when I'm doing this. My arms are out in front of me, stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm wide open, you know? So like, think about when you fight, you get your hands up, you time out. But when you're like this, you know, you're more like covering up and you're kind of, you're closing yourself off and that looks, you know, less threatening. And that was the thing, like you look less threatening because you don't want to do this in somebody like time out in somebody's face. So you do this and you kind of curl up and you show that like 
you know, when animals do it, they curl up and say, hey, it's a sign of weakness. Like, hey, they're defending themselves. And that's what he had come up with. And we were like, okay, cool. Like, that makes sense. I don't want to shove my hands in somebody's face or like look aggressive. And then the one thing that he said that I, I, I was like, damn it. It makes me not want to, one, it makes me want to think about conversations before I have them with Erica. Two, it doesn't, it makes me not want to call a timeout because timeouts, he said, whoever calls it takes their 20, 30 minute break, whatever. And maybe you come back later that night and talk about it. But the person who calls the timeout has to bring the resolution. So if you're the one that's saying, hey, I need a timeout, you have to come back with a possible resolution to the problem because you're the one that's take, calling to take a break. Because in the reason why he did that and developed that is you and me, I don't think, are the people, correct me if I'm wrong, you and me, I don't think, are the people that avoid confrontation or talks when they happen. I bury a lot of things down sometimes, not so much anymore, but I used to avoid conversations. But now that when I get into them with Erica, like I just don't, I don't stop. I'm like just on the onslaught. And, um, the most people who are like, I'm not going to talk about this and they curl up and back away and they try to avoid confrontation and solving it and nothing comes of that. So, how do you avoid somebody from avoiding the conversation is the people who are going to call a timeout or the ones that want to quit the conversation have to come back with a resolution, which helps the communication. So if you have one partner that is always avoiding things or saying like, Hey, I can't do this right now. That puts them in an ultimatum position where they have to come back with a solution. So it gets people talking. There's no stalemate, you know, there's no it, it, like things get solved that way. And it helps the person who has communication issues. It forces them into a position where they have to develop them. And, you know, I looked at Erica immediately and I was like, you gonna learn, you gonna learn how to talk and get your thoughts out because you're going to be calling a lot of timeouts. And, um, I mean, I, we haven't, we've only had to do I think once since we saw him like a week and a half ago. Because I think both of our mindsets were, shit, I don't want to have to come back to this conversation if we're going to have one. So let's go into the conversation with all of our thoughts ready to go with a resolution already in our mind when we initiate a conversation. So after you call that timeout, how do you reapproach it? You can't, number one rule of reapproaching it is you can't go to them and say, Hey, we're talking about this right now. You have to send an invitation and intentional. He calls them intentional conversations, whole things around intention. So these intentional conversations, the person who called the timeout has to get the resolution and then they invite. So it could be in a passing by conversation where I go, Hey, Eric, do you want to talk about, so-and-so or whatever. And there's only two answers that you're allowed to say. First off, it's not no. You're never, you're never allowed to say no. 
it's either yes or yes, but not right now. So if you say yes, that means, okay, let's go ahead and start it. If you say yes, but not right now, then the ball is in your court. The person who was saying yes, but not right now, the ball has been given to you. You have to now come up with the time that you want to talk about it. You have to come up with the time. It has to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yes, but not right now. Can we do um, uh, how's tonight sound? Or, hey, how's 20 minutes sound after I'm done cleaning the dishes, vacuuming, whatever. And then the last thing with this, and this is really cool to me. So obviously when you're in an argument, you know, what's the one thing everybody gets when you're in an argument? You get worked up. So your heart rate naturally jumps up. So when you call that timeout, when you feel your heart rate pumping and pumping and pumping and you call that timeout, go do something active because when you when you go out and do something active like say you go for a brisk walk you go out and go to the gym or whatever do something that physically gets your heart rate up mm-hmm. and then that your brain tells your body hey we need to start cooling down and then your heart rate goes down because it thinks that your heart rate is up because you've been doing physical work not because you're in a heated conversation or something entered your brain just mentally and got your heart rate going. It like calms all your anxiety because it tricks your brain to think your heart rate only is up because you were exercising or doing something physical, yeah. which I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and the last thing is you're, you're not allowed to let the unresolved problem go over 24 hours it has to be talked about within 24 hours because then when it gets over that you start to forget and right you know your brain will start making shit up where it's like oh you said that no i never said that so it's fresh in your brain so um yeah we've had we've had we've used this not the timeout thing i think like i said maybe once or twice twice max because one we both didn't want to have to call the timeouts and have to come back and approach that person and have more confrontation and be like, Hey, can you want to talk about this now? Um, you know, so, um, and a lot of it's gratitude too, even though you might still be fuming on the inside and stuff like that. It's like, if you still feel that mm-hmm. extend the hour, like if you wanted to approach them and invite them to talk in an hour, you thought you were calm down and you're still fuming, walk away. You can't, you're not ready yet. Um, but, uh, yeah. It, and the thing he, you know, he said it's a repeatable process. Like if you go and you have a res- resolution, you feel the argument getting heated again, mm-hmm. you gotta go back to step one and call that timeout again. And then your 24 hours starts over and you go through the process again. And Erica and I've both come into conversations now where it's like, all right, not going to get defensive. We're going to think about how the other person feels and what their intentions are coming into this. And it's crazy is when you think about it, this is all basic. It's all basic shit that we should all know. But at least in my experience, I somehow just throw it out the window and I just somehow forget it. And I do it in daily conversation too. But I think being aware of it, it's becoming more of a 
awareness now. Like I don't, I'm very bad at being empathetic. And I've mentioned that before. I am one of the least empathetic people you ever find because it's, because it's like my old mindset before, like I really started like thinking about this and putting into practice was everybody goes through some shit. Why should I be empathetic about it? I feel like that's a terrible mindset to have. So, especially with all the stuff that Erica goes through, like all of her mental illnesses and diagnoses, it's like it was super difficult. And the counselor asked that because I would sit there and be like, I don't, you know, I understand it, like the knowledge stuff of it, but I don't understand it because I don't go through it. He was like, did you know about all this stuff when you started dating her and you got before you got married? I was like, yeah. He was like, I want to start being a little bit more empathetic, my man. I was like, I know. Like, and that's what I love about this guy is like, he tell he he doesn't he doesn't tell you what you want to hear. He tells you what you need to hear. Yeah. And I like his 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 teaching methods are very practical, and I, I'd rather I was going to say holistic, but it's more practical I think than holistic. I guess it's the same thing, but he 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 require. He has a lot of like call to actions. He has a lot of CTAs in his stuff. Like he's not just like, all right, here's the material. I'm going to talk like he, he wants us engaged with each other. He wants us actively talking no matter what, you know, and it's helped. I mean, it's one of those things that you think you shouldn't have to spend money on because you should just know it as a human, how to talk to somebody, especially your life partner. Yeah. I feel like some people, I feel like the closest people to you in your lives are some of the hardest people to talk to sometimes because I don't know, maybe you're afraid of offending them or there's just hard conversations to have because it's like, oh man, what are they going to think of me? Are they going to leave? Or, I mean, none of that's ever going to happen, at least, you know, my thoughts, but (laughs) I don't know. Um, Let me pull this up. Pulled up a couple of things you were just talking, dude. And mm-hmm. Matthew, Matthew 13, 55 through 58. Oh, we jumping into a little new international version or some King James? Well, I compared <laughs> them all. Right? So, um, yeah, you compare them all. And so it looks like, let me, uh, let me pull it up where I can read the comparison. Oh, another thing too, while you're pulling that up, you make sure like for validation. So people are being engaged in the conversation. You ask them, do you feel like I've heard and understand where you're coming from? Mm -hmm. So you put that on them. So they have to, they respond with, yes, I think you understand where I'm coming from or no, I don't think you understand. (laughs) And that allow them to go all right go ahead and explain yourself go ahead and backtrack a little bit and tell me what you mean so that way you can give me an understanding yeah see all that stuff i learned through sales right that's when i really started learning how to communicate better with my family as crazy as it like to me like looking at that it's almost sad to say that i'm selling my wife until (laughs) until you understand that you're selling yourself every day Right. Mm-hmm. So your kids, um, they communicate in a certain way in order to get what they want. They're selling themselves to their mom and dad every single day. Husband and wife 
you are selling yourself to your spouse every single day. And after time of not selling yourself, that's when you start having really communication issues, right? So like if you're not influencing and you're not connecting, uh, you're not relating, right? Now you just get further and further apart. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, to practice communicating like that, I, don't, I think it's weird just because it's not something, it's taboo, right? It's not something actually talked about, but like, how hard is it to influence your your spouse or your children or your mom and dad or whatever it is? Because I suffer with this all the time. And that's the reason, you know, I want to quote this um, in the Bible. And it is. Yeah, so it's Matthew 13, 55 through 58. And I'm going to read three different versions. So I'm going to read... Um, King James American edition, and then we're going to go to King James version, um, the old edition. I don't, I don't know how to say that word. And then we'll do the New Living Translation. All right. So it says, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother and James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, and they not all with us? Whence then hoth? this man, all these things, and they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Like that right there is confusing at all chaos, man. So I'm actually going to skip the other version too of King James. I'm just going to go to the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says, Then they scoffed, scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So, you know, you think about that, like that's God himself, right? Going back to the town that he was raised in, mm-hmm. buddy being threatened and questioning, where did you learn these things? Where'd you come about these things? Where'd you discover these things? I know you. I've known you your entire life. What makes you so special now? What makes you so different now? You know? And that right there is one of the, it relates to one of the things he, he taught. Um, there's four losing strategies and there's four antidotes to each one. And you, we can go ahead and tie into that. What you just read too. Keep feeding off each other here. I like it. So criticism, you can we can agree that most type, times criticism is a losing strategy because most Always. times, yeah. Always. Even when people are constructively criticizing, it's just like there's still like, I don't know, I, there's always different ways. But for criticism, that's the losing strategy. The antidote to it is lead with your need, intentional, vulnerable conversation. When, then this. That's what I was getting at earlier. When this happened then 
this is how I felt or something like that, you know? The second one is defensiveness. So instead of being defensive, he's always telling us, be curious. Always be curious. Always ask. Because then that shows that there's will, there's will behind it. So be curious, acknowledge, and then take responsibility by being responsive. The third one is contempt, which is, where did you learn all this? Who taught you this? Where did you find this? In that verse you just read. So the opposite of contempt, the antidote to that, is building a culture of appreciation. So imagine if those people just would have shown a little bit of appreciation for what they was actually doing. I think, you know? And the last one, stonewalling. You know, take an, addition, take an intentional break, and that's why I talked to you about the, the timeout thing. You don't want to stonewall. Like, because, you know, stonewalling, you put up that wall and you just start chucking things over it. And like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like, no, when you get to that point, go ahead and take a break. Yeah. But, yeah. And men are really good at stonewalling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, um, that, that's that culture of like, you know, are you a man or are you a mouse? Right. Like the whole belittling, right. Like, mm-hmm. A father has belittled his son, so his son will grow up to raise kids who will also be littled. And that pattern will repeat itself over and over again. And that son will grow up to have a, a wife, and he will belittle his wife because that's the way he learned how to communicate. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I had to learn that, right? Matter of fact, I, I learned that last year, man. Because um, with. Raising your boys, or I mean, I got two boys, right? So raising my boys, it's, and then I'm battling, you know, this new age society of this wokeness. And, you know, me, like, I don't care who you have sex with, just leave my kids alone, right? Like, just, I don't care, right? Just don't come into my household and try to influence my children. That goes directly against my values. And there's numerous other examples, but I wanted to do that one because that's um, confrontational and, you know, it really puts the knife into it really quick. Right. So, like, if I just hold on to that right there, well, how do I communicate that to somebody who disagrees with me? Mm-hmm. Right. And I wanted that, to bring that up too. I'm glad you talked about that, like the disagreement. So, yeah. So, like, how do you communicate that with somebody who disagrees with you? And that's where, you know, your, your therapist is saying, hey, when you do this, this is what it does, right? And mm-hmm. I think one of the things where we're so afraid because we only know how to justify, clarify, explain. That's all we know how to do. We All we know how to do in our everyday language is communicate at you. Mm-hmm. And to show empathy is the right opposite. You will never be able to show empathy by being instructing. So like right now... I'm not showing a lot of empathy to you because I'm talking to you. I'm teaching, right? I'm something. It's impossible for me to show empathy. If I wanted to actually show empathy to you, I would have to ask you questions. Mm -hmm. And I would have to discover, discover, discover. And the better I get at asking questions, I can absolutely ask questions that are leading questions that has my teachings in it. But it takes a long time. And that's where I get really frustrated because I know I get frustrated at it, right? So, you know, like with the kids, um, the day that I learned this, uh, dude, I, I still visualize it, right? And 
anyway, we got a big kitchen table in the kitchen and I walk in the house and I'm in the middle of something, I'm focused on something, but then Tyler is crying. And, um, anyway, I look at him and Kaylee's like, um, um, he's, he's upset because Jackson did something right. And anyway, he's just crying and I looked at him and immediately I didn't ask him what happened. I didn't acknowledge the fact. Anyway, I just went straight back to him. I was like, boy, stop crying. Like suck it up right now. Like men do not cry. Men do not act that way. Right. And then Lori looks at me because like I, I yelled at him, right? Like I scolded him. I stonewalled him and, Lord <laughs> at me and she's like, that was really harsh. And I look back at him. He's still crying. I was like, I don't have time for this. And I kept walking. I was like, just man up, dude. You know, and I kept walking to me. I was raised that way. Right. And I don't think I'm really wrong with that, but there is damaging factors that happen. And I will acknowledge those because I think there is a better way to handle that scenario. Right. Um, we act like that as men towards our child because we we we've been told that that's how men act, right? Yeah. And anyway, I walk away. Tyler did suck it up, but then immediately after I walked away, and I go and do whatever I'm doing, I come back through, and he's crying, and then Lori's talking to him, and I'm like, "All right, tell me what happened, right?" And now I'm asking him. I'm like, mm-hmm. "What, Tyler?" And he tells me what happened and something about Jackson took something away from him. And, um, no, it was his toe. He said that he was by the oven and he was, uh, cooking something. And then Jackson walked by and he he bumped his toe and he kicked his toe that was cut on purpose and hurt him. And Jackson (laughs) didn't say he was sorry. Uh Right. Yeah. He's telling me that. And I'm like, all right, dude. So Jackson walked by you and kicked your toe on purpose and he meant to hurt you. And that's what you're crying about. He's like, yeah, yeah. He kicked it on purpose. So immediately I look at Jackson. I'm like, hey, dude, like, did you kick your brother? He's like, no, I was just walking. And he's like, I bumped into him. And then he immediately looks at Tyler and he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, Bubba. Like, I didn't mean to hurt you, you know? And I look at Tyler. I was like, does that make your toe feel better? Like he said, he's sorry, you know? And again, I'm belittling them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm acknowledging what happened, but I'm belittling them. And anyway, I'm just like, dude, like, this is what you're crying about. Like you're wasting your life crying because your brother bumped your toe. Like what's wrong with your toe? And he shows me his toe. It's like this little Nick in it. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, like, you're not even bleeding. Like, just get over it. Suck it up. Right. Well, anyway, I reflected on that, like that situation for like a week. And, um, you know, I read about it and talked about it. And I, I actually brought it up in like, you know, my own therapist. And um, she talked about how men are always. Um, they're always belittling or attacking in a way to overcome their own uncertainty issues. Right. Like, Mm. and it wasn't like she said, 
she said that it was always because my dad did that to me than I did this. And it's because my needs were more important than Tyler's. And that's what I demonstrated back to him. Right. And that's not what she said, but that's what I took away. Right. To explain it to myself. So like, if you look at basic human needs, right, there's, um, um, you need uncertainty, you need certainty, you need significance, you need love and connection. And, um, uh, there's two more I can't remember. But anyway, the, the ones that we want to talk about is is significance and certainty. And showing empathy, if we just remember that we need those things, but also that other person needs those things just as much. Mm-hmm. Now, as me being who I am, how I was raised and all those things, like once I understand that concept, now it's a game. And after reflecting on that situation, what I should have done was Tyler's crying. I should have said, hey, dude, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Right. Ask him what's going on. And then that's going to show him that he's significant to me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Instead of me walking in and being significant because it was important, more important for me to be significant than my own son. So if I had that situation, do it over again, this is what I try to practice now, but it's asking them. It doesn't mean that it's okay to cry. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, is like practicing how to communicate um, and being able to show empathy to somebody that you can't relate to. I cannot relate to crying because my little brother kicked my toe. Mm-hmm. Right. I cannot relate for anybody crying because they got a boo-boo. Okay. It just happened. Like, you know, but how do I communicate with him in a healthy way where he knows that his father is going to be there to support him? And that's asking, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? Why did it hurt? What, what do you, what would you like to do about this? Right? Like, And then after the fact, after that's over and I show him that he is significant, then I can give my lesson. Dude, my therapist said something very similar to that too. And he called me out for not practicing it enough. Yep. Well, I came in and had all these complaints essentially. Yep. You know, I get upset when Erica does this. I get upset when this doesn't happen. And he goes, okay. When you address the problem, do you say, hey, this bothers me? And I was like, yeah, you know, I bring it up. He goes, no, hold on, let me finish. He goes, hey, it bothers me when A doesn't happen. How can I support you so A gets done? Let me know how I can be of help. And then you leave it at that because like you said, they're the significant one now because you're offering them help. You're putting them in a position where they feel like they're being acknowledged and they're the one that's important or of significance then. And I didn't realize how powerful just adding that little bit in there because you're still getting out on what's bothering you and you don't even have to agree together it's just how can i help you so this can get done 
And that leaves it open-ended for them. So they have to answer it to where it's like, okay, like, look, this doesn't get done because I don't like it. But if you did this, I can get it done. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy how just how wordplay like that works to make communication more effective. It's insane. What's well, a puzzle and it's a game. Right? Yeah. Read it like that. Mm-hmm. Like the best player always wins. Um, and adding an empathy in there too. Like, Hey, look, well, empathy is the biggest part of the game. Cause that's related, right? That's literally all. That's what empathy means. I can relate to you. Right? Yeah. Like I, I understand what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't do that. I'm terrible at it. And the only, I thing, have, that, only thing that you need to work on is mm-hmm. biting your tongue instead yeah. of trying to fix the thing. Mm-hmm. And ask questions. Mm-hmm. Ask questions and discover as much about her as possible for you ever to speak. And this yep. is one, one thing I want to squeeze in here because um, I wrote this down while you was doing it. And um, like in the past, I would immediately probably would have like, dude, what are y'all even arguing about? And then whatever it was, I probably would have made fun of it and been like, dude, like that's not even anything to argue about. Like, come on. Right. Like, I don't even know what it is, right? I don't even know what it is, y'all's disagreements. But, like, what I'm talking about is, like, me, three, four years ago, like, that's the type of asshole I was. Hey, guys, I hope you really liked part one of this two-parter episode with Eric that we recorded last week. And the full unedited, uncut video will be on the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com backslash at symbol. Don't forget that. At New Dad City. And yeah, stick around for part two. I'm going to put that on on Monday. And then we'll go ahead and just keep rolling. Um, We'll try to do every Monday and Friday, but at the very minimum, we're going to be doing one podcast a a week for 2024. Just because we, like I said in the intro, we got all these projects going on and I'm back to work, working my 80 hour week, or I'm sorry, 40 hour weeks. There's 80 hours in a pay period. My apologies. I'm super tired and plus, like I said, lifting and still being a dad, it's, it's a lot and I'm still learning, you know, I'm still, still embracing that learning curve that I've talked about before. And I know if I can do it, you guys can do it. You guys have my full support, new dad city, full support and empowered home front, full support. You guys, you guys are are absolutely crushing it. I know you are. So, um, just keep your head up. You got this. And keep on, Dad.